Hey, this is Dave Pryor. Welcome to Leading Agile Sound Notes. Today I have Sarah Smith. We're doing a lot of podcasting stuff today, and right now we're going to take on two student questions that I got last week from a guy who took a class recently. So Sarah, thank you for taking time out of your morning. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Um, so before we get into this, can you give the folks a quick uh, overview of the kind of work that you do here at Leading Agile? Sure. So I am working in a in a interesting situation. I'm working on coaching coaches uh, for one of our Fortune Nine clients, and that involves quite a bit of tact, and um, it's one of the most exciting things I think I've done in my career. All right. Thank you. Um, all right. So I'm just going to drop these on you, and we'll see what happens. Okay. Cool. Both questions came from um, a guy who took my class recently. The first one is, is a scrum master allowed to take on any of the development or testing work during a sprint with the assumption that they have the skills to do so? That's interesting. So is, are they, is the idea that the scrum master is going to be partly dedicated to a scrum team or as well as like a developer or tester? It's not and clear. part-time scrum master? Okay. Not clear. So where are so, you? Where do the boundaries lie for you? So if it's a brand new team, I find that to be problematic because the team is going to need a lot more coaching, more direct kind of coaching, counseling, armchair therapy, whatever it is that goes on. And I, I think that it could definitely be problematic if it's a newer team. And it would overwhelm that particular individual who's a scrum master, even though the, the team might gain some, some help from it. In the long run, I think that it would probably, it would even end up damaging some of what the team's able to accomplish. Um, okay. So I would be really hesitant to say, oh, yeah, totally. Um, but if it's a more mature team, like I worked for a, with a team that they, I was a scrum master for, it was basically two technical leads working on one team with an SDET or a software developer in test uh, that kind of did the testing okay. aspect of it. And there was a product owner and a SME on the team. and okay. You know, if I was to jump in, not that I could do that, but if I was a scrum master and I jumped in to do some testing, um, either on an ongoing basis or more of a, more of a, you know, one-time kind of thing, um, I think that would be mostly fine, but that team was super mature. They had very little, um, like any kind, they had very depth, they had a great depth of knowledge for agile. They knew what they were doing. They knew how the ceremonies ran. It was more of like if they didn't really necessarily Conscious need choice. a scrum master. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. I mean, because it got to such a such an elevated point that they, you know, what value was I bringing as a scrum master? So I think it could dovetail quite nicely into that. Okay. At, just at what maturity level is the team? Okay. Cool. So so one of the things that I really like when I get to do these kinds of things is when um, I get to talk to people and we don't always share the exact same viewpoint. So I have a slightly different viewpoint on it, and I would like to kick mm-hmm. in as well and see what you think about it. So I, my experience has always been, I've mostly coached and worked with teams that are fairly low performing. Uh, and this, this kind of question makes me super nervous because I worry that the dev team, the dev team is going to plan for the scrum master to be like partially dedicated to scrum master and partially dedicated to development work. And my concern there is mm-hmm. if things go in a ditch the scrum master is then going to have to choose to either finish the work and not and leave the team without a scrum master or be a scrum master and the team's not going to finish the work. So I always say if, if they find themselves with the time and the willingness and the skill, then sure, absolutely you would help out, but I would never plan for that mm-hmm. to happen. 
Um, and I, and yeah, I, get, I think that oh, go ahead. that's a dangerous road to go down. Absolutely. I agree yeah. with that. Okay. Um, all right. Now we have a bigger and more complicated question and I'm really, I'm hoping we can have a little bit of a debate on this one. You ready? Okay, great. Sure. What should be done with stories and or tasks that are halfway through development at the end of the sprint? Assuming that the PO and the dev team wants to finish the work in the next sprint, how should story points and estimated hours be handled? Now, I want to make a point of saying to the person who sent this that we did spend about 15 minutes on this in class, but <laughs> how do you feel about it? Partially completed work at the end of the sprint, what do we do with it and what do we do when we bring it back in? So I'm assuming that it's probably this person's asking, do they want to, like, they want to re-estimate. Well, I think, is yeah, that... the first question is, let, let's assume that they mm -hmm. decided they're going to bring it into the next sprint. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so they're going to bring it into the next sprint. And let's say for the sake of argument, it's a story that was an eight and there's 10, it was eight points and there's 10 minutes of work left to do on it. Okay. So, I mean, if they're wanting to re-estimate, I would say why, because that's kind of, that's waste in the system and it's going to, you didn't finish it in the last iteration or sprint. So if you re-estimate and pull it forward into the next one, your, your velocity is going to be a little bit wonky because if you're doing a rolling estimating or a rolling velocity, like I usually recommend doing a rolling velocity of your last four iterations or sprints. So like an, you mean like an average, that's gonna, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. mm -hmm, absolutely. And that's going to end up kind of messing up some of your data. And when you're re-estimating at something like that, something that you're bringing in forward into the next sprint, it just becomes waste in the system. Like you've already, you've already done the work, you know what needs to happen. Like you may think that you estimated it too high or too low, but at the end of the day, like that's, that's just going to, um, to educate you in the future. It's not you would talk about that, that in retrospective. You'd figure that out in the retro, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it, it's something you talk about in your sprint planning during your backlog refinement. You should be always either consciously or, you know, just keeping in the back of your head those, those estimations that you did previously. Sure. So I've had people argue that, that we should reestimate it because when we plan the next sprint, like it's only really a one now. So if we don't reestimate it, we still call it an eight because we got no points for partially finished work, then we're bringing in an eight that isn't really an eight. And that's going to cause our velocity to spike in that sprint. And that's going to look really off track. If, yeah. If you're only looking at one sprint, okay. which you could be, but I mean, it really just, for me, it's, it depends on how your organization is set up and how you kind of, if you're presenting that information at demos or however you're presenting that information, to your stakeholders, if they care about that, which I don't know why they would. Yeah. Um, you know, like, because you should really be looking more at velocity variance, not necessarily Yay. what your each iteration's velocity is. Good. I totally but, <laughs> agree with you. I think it's important yeah, because, to I mean, because it is messed up. I mean, your velocity is going to spike because it did spike. Yeah. It did a bad job. Well, I mean, you'll discuss that during the, during the demo anyway, if you've got your stakeholders. Um, so you should have multiple touch points where you're having those conversations and being really transparent about what happened. Okay. Um, but I don't think necessarily making... It, it's going to be like an arbitrary point <laughs> um, estimation just to show, you know, look what I did. And I don't think that's the right motivation. I think you have to look at, you know, are we doing things to be transparent? Or are we doing things to, you know, get our numbers in the way we want to see them? 
So Transparency I, is usually the one that wins out for me. Yeah, I I completely agree with you. I thought the second question was going to be the one that was going to cause the big nightmarish debate, but it was the easier of the two. <laughs> so I want to recap oh. for the second question to see if if we're all and if you don't agree with me, please say so because I don't think I, like I sure. said, it's great when people don't agree. Um, I think. When, when work is not finished at the end of the sprint, it doesn't automatically go into the next sprint. At least this is what I'm teaching in my class. It goes back into the product backlog. And at some point, you bring it into a future sprint. When it comes back into a future sprint, it seems like we both agree that the re-estimation activity, we both think is wasteful. Um, you would figure out why in a retrospective and just move on from there. But um, I know there are some people that would advocate for re-estimating before they bring mm -hmm. the future sprint. Um, and you agree no points for partial work, right? No. <laughs> good, good, very good. Anything that you want to add to that as like a caution or um, just some advice for folks who are dealing with that kind of stuff? I mean, I think with, with the points estimation, what I'm seeing a lot lately is, you know, people want to get credit for the work they've done. They want to have their name attached to a story, whatever it is. And I get a little bit... Um, that, that, you know, brings up, as Rick Austin says, my spidey sense, because it means, you know, to me, what's your motivation? What's the biggest thing that you're trying to gain? Are you trying to do good work that's, you know, that's producing working tested software, or are you looking to get your name on the board? Yeah. Both val valid concerns, right? Yeah. I mean, especially, you know, um, if you want to make sure that people know you're doing work, right? And that, that's a totally valid um, concern. But how, if that's the case, is there, you know, there's other avenues to be explored there. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure everybody's doing work and having your, your name on a story in some kind of a backlog tool, like Rally or Jira or TFS, that doesn't necessarily equate to the work you've done. So um, I don't know. I would be very cautious about, you know, the motivations that go along with pointing things. Yeah. And when, yeah, when people tend to get, you know, they want to take up arms over cases like this, I also get a little worried about that. <laughs> well, I think it does, like you mentioned, yeah. the spidey sense thing. It does, as, some, as somebody's coaching, it does maybe point you towards the fact that there's something else that's wrong here. Like we may mm -hmm. have picked up the water yeah. on the carpet, but there's something going on underneath the carpet that we need to explore. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, thank you for doing this. If folks want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to reach you? They can find me at sarah.smith at leadingagile.com or they can find me on LinkedIn at Sarah Lee Smith. And the Lee is L-E-A and I have an H in my name. Cool. All right. Thank okay. you very much. This is always fun. So thank you. Thanks. Thanks.